Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Episode 22, Clean Slate and Bonfire. Welcome back, friends. Simple living and simple faith was what we were looking forward to experiencing at the Living Waters Ranch. We had just moved into our teepee home. I had fun decorating and making it cozy with Indian bedspreads and my homemade pillows. I laid my silk tablecloth from London over the trunk that we had placed as the head of our mattress. It was the perfect spot for the oil lamp and our new Bibles. For our first free evening, Thomas prepared the teepee to make a fire in the center, and I put a pot of water on for tea. We celebrated our first family time with baby Nomtony by the light of the lamp and Thomas serenading us with his flute. The simple teepee life this time would include a few modern conveniences. For example, the nearby water spigot. At the big house, as it was called, we were able to use the bathroom shower and their old-fashioned washing machine. They already had a clothesline right outside the door. I loved being out in the sun and hanging my baby's diapers up. It was the perfect setup, kind of like being at a camping ground, but we appreciated that we could retreat to our private area within the trees. It was only a short walk from the house. Thomas and I loved meeting the new people that seemed to be arriving every day. We quickly made a few friends as we discovered that we had lots of things in common. They had been seekers like us who had been hitchhiking around the country. Some had lived in chicken sheds, tree houses, and teepees, and it was normal that many women had home births and had given their children unusual names like Blue, Daffodil, Colorado, and Sage. The common denominator was the desire for the country life and, of course, the use of drugs. Some had dropped out of school or college and headed for California where the happening was supposed to be. We recognized each other as fellow travelers by our hippie garb of long dresses, beads, bell-bottom pants, and long hair and headbands. There were many familiar stories of others who, just like ourselves, miraculously found their way to this obscure place in the Redwoods. One young man had been in the health food store in Garberville when an employee told him about Jesus and the Living Waters Ranch. He was encouraging him to get a ride there because it was a place where he could spend the night and get a decent meal. He did just that and ended up staying. The other part of the story was that the employee actually was from the ranch. He ended up getting fired for talking about Jesus to a customer. That didn't bother him. He believed that the most important responsibility that he had was to tell people how to get saved. Many of us newcomers were curious to know how such a beautiful community came into existence in the first place. The background story was that Tony Tuck, the owner of the land, which encompassed some 80 acres, had a vision as a hippie to start a back-to-nature commune. Thanks to his father's generosity, he was able to acquire the land, which was originally a lumber mill. The Matoli River ran through the property, and six logging buildings were already there. In 1968, he was able to gather some friends together to start the community that was called Gopherville. In the beginning, the group enjoyed the country life, the fresh water spring, swimming in the river, planting a garden, the fields, and the giant redwood trees. But as Tony described the development, after about two years, they ended up destroying themselves with their selfish living. 
It was a life with no absolutes, no rules, and someone almost died of an overdose. During that time, he had made a trip to San Francisco to visit an old friend named Bruce who had just finished his new book of poetry. Much to Tony's surprise, Bruce had become what was being called at the time a Jesus freak. Bruce told him that his whole life had changed and that he had burned all the books that he had written. He told Tony that he should ask Jesus himself if he is real. And though Tony tried to resist that challenge, he also became a believer. On returning to the commune, Tony's newfound faith began to shake up his friends there. By 1971, many people who weren't on board with this development had left, and it gradually transitioned to becoming a Christian group. They gave themselves the new name, Living Waters, and set up the large wooden cross near the driveway. A man carved words into the cross, Whosoever will may come. This was taken from the very end of the Bible where it is written, And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. This sign distinguished them from the other various hippie communes that were in the surrounding areas. After a couple of years, they had become an established Christian ranch and were in contact with other similar groups, like the Lord's Land in Mendocino, where Thomas and I had been. And there was a community in Eureka and another one out near the coast called the Lighthouse Ranch. The center of the action at Living Waters revolved around the dome building. It was originally a house where they built the dome meeting room as an extension. It included a kitchen and a small office room. Nearby was a house for single men and a house for single mothers. So back to our first week there. After Friday's dinner, we heard the announcement that a lady was going to cut people's hair in the morning. She said, you don't need an appointment, just come out to the field by the cross. On our way back to the teepee, Thomas said, I'm ready to get my hair cut. Do you want to come and watch? Jesus has set me free and I do not want the length of my hair to determine who I am. I'm a new man. I was pretty amazed at how determined he was and said, sure, that'd be fun. Maybe I can learn how she does it. The next morning after breakfast, quite a few people lined up in the field near the driveway. Some of the women wanted their children's haircut, but it was mostly men. I think a lot of the men showed up to encourage each other just to get their hair chopped off. When it was Thomas's turn, I stood nearby so that I could learn from her. I used to cut my own hair when I was a teenager, but I had no idea how to cut a man's hair. That evening, Thomas's comment to me was, your dad will be happy to see that I have short hair now. It was important to him to establish a new relationship with my dad. He remembered all the talks or, let's say, arguments he had with him about God, and my father had told him once that he would like to see him grow up and become a responsible husband. Just to mention here, Thomas was 21 and I was 22 at this time when our baby was born. One reason that the men decided to get their hair cut was that they wanted to be more accepted when they went into town. Sometimes they went as small teams to preach on the streets or to visit churches on Sunday. I would say that even in most churches in those days, long-haired hippies were not welcome. Normal churchgoers in suits and ties thought hippies were either unbathed or drug addicts or both. Even if they were talking about Jesus, 
people were fearful of this new group that was being labeled Jesus people. For our Saturday dinner, I cooked for the first time at our teepee camp. I had lots of jars of various kinds of beans and flour and my own cooking pots and dishes. I was allowed to get fresh vegetables from the garden, and I made corn tortillas over the fire with my cast iron frying pan. I was impressed by the garden, which had been labeled the big garden. The work there turned out to be Thomas's first job on the ranch. He told Tom Peterson that he was available now to be assigned a stewardship. Thomas had a little experience back in our garden in Oakland, planting vegetables and herbs. And let's not forget our famous marijuana plants that got us into all kinds of trouble the year before. Once he started working in the big garden, it was tempting for him to come back to our teepee in the afternoon and take a nap. It was going to be a gradual process for both of us to learn to take the rules and jobs serious. It sounds funny now, but I was concerned at the time that he might get into trouble if someone knew he was sloughing off on the job. We also decided to get involved in the community by being regulars at the evening Bible studies. We had noticed that some people took not only their Bibles, but notebooks with them. That seemed like a good idea to write down the scriptures, so we also went equipped for the next meeting. Already in the past week, Thomas and I had been discussing what we had learned at the last study. It was about presenting our bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. We noticed that this was a similar concept in the Eastern religion books that we had been reading. That is why we followed the vegetarian diet, because we thought it would make us holy. And at the same time, though, Thomas was taking LSD and smoking marijuana, thinking it was connecting him to God. Actually, that didn't make any sense, because the drugs aren't good for the health of the body or the mind. But now we were learning a different meaning of holiness according to God. We were accepted and loved by God because of simply believing in His Son, Jesus. We were aware that we needed to put away our beliefs from the past and start all over. As I said in episode 12, we learned from the Bible that we were newborn babies and should be hungry for the spiritual milk of the scriptures. So with our little baby strapped into my carrier, we headed over to the dome on Monday evening. Thomas and I were looking forward to meeting some more people and joining in on the singing. Everyone gathered in a circle and sang a very moving song. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Then Tom Peterson started out the week's study by saying that he wanted us to learn for ourselves what the Bible says about our new life. He said that we would go through quite a few different passages throughout the week. That already made me nervous that I wouldn't be able to find the verses, but he was patient in teaching all of us new folks the layout of the New Testament. Here are a few passages that had a pivotal effect on our lives. We wanted to learn about what our foundation as Christians according to the Bible should be. Tom began reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, Christ has died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Meaning, those who live 
are the people who believe that Jesus died for them. And verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. These words were confirming in our minds that we had become alive in Christ and we were changing. This verse stated it as a fact that the new things have come. We could see that this was all God's doing. The next verse we read was in Ephesians chapter 4. I was amazed to see that the chapter was about being one in the Spirit with other believers, just like the song we sang. Tom encouraged us to read it together, verses 22 through 24. In reference to your former manner of life, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. We understood, first of all, that it is possible to be renewed in our mind and that God has given us a new identity as his children. He is our father and those who believe are a family. The last verse for the evening was another challenge to find because it's in the Old Testament. It was Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. I will give them one heart and a new spirit. I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. We found the wording of this verse unusual, but Tom helped us to understand that only God can do this, create in us a new heart. God is the creator and giver of physical life, and he can create a new spiritual heart of faith. Coldness, indifference, and unbelief are the characteristics of the heart of stone. The heart of flesh meant that it was soft, full of faith and love and trust in God. At the end of the study, Tom said we will have the opportunity to put into practice what we are learning. He told us that there would be a bonfire event on Friday night. We should prayerfully consider if God wants us to throw things away from our old life. He said he hopes that people with drugs will get rid of them. He said it was time to act on your new faith and make a clean slate. On our walk back to the teepee that evening, Thomas was more quiet than usual. When we had settled down for our baby's nighttime routine, I asked him if there was something bothering him. He said he wanted to read the passage again in Ezekiel. When he started reading, tears welled up in his eyes, and I could tell he was trying to control himself from breaking down. He said he couldn't believe that God had forgiven him and taken out his heart of stone. He said it's a miracle. This reminded me of the time when I found him crying in the rain because of his sin, but this was different. He had not taken any drugs. He was just overwhelmed by the truth of the scripture. And then he said, I think we should make a list of what we are going to throw in the fire on Friday. With our little baby sleeping peacefully in the middle of our bed, we turned off the lamp and prayed together. We asked Jesus to show us what to do. I think this was the first time that we prayed together at Living Waters. By Friday, Thomas and I had put into my basket a few of our possessions. We decided to throw away all of the books we had with us, like the Aquarian Gospel, the I Ching, and books from Herman Hesse and Krishnamurti. 
I decided to throw away my little Buddha incense holder that I had for years, and Thomas tossed his last bag of marijuana in the basket. He said that he didn't have any LSD and that he never wanted to do drugs again. Around the bonfire that night, we had a joyous time with our new friends. We watched each other throw into the fire books and all kinds of things, even clothes and jewelry, and little bags of drugs and cigarettes. One of the brothers with his guitar started singing. Everyone joined in, clapping and singing, He has set me free, he has set me free. I will rejoice, for he has set me free. And then we all stood there quietly, watching the fire die down. We gave each other hugs and congratulated each other for making this bold step. Not only had Thomas put an end to his drug use, but this meant I would not have to fear anymore the kind of dramas we had gone through in the past. Thomas had even made a comment to me once when I was pregnant that he wanted to give our child drugs because it opens the mind. For me that night was not so much about the objects that had turned into ashes. I had the sense that many fears and the hurt I had gone through with Thomas the past three years, was disappearing. My burdens had been lifted, and I felt like skipping and dancing all the way back down the path to our teepee. We were both rejoicing and felt like children in awe, looking up to God our Father and wondering what He had in store for us. This was just the beginning. We were only three weeks old in the Lord. There will be more to come, so stay tuned for next week's episode. In closing today, I am reminded of the introduction to this podcast, Finding Purpose. It doesn't matter how old you are, or where you live, or how many roads in this life you have already traveled. Happiness and contentment and purpose is what we all hope to find one day. That day could be today for you. Maybe you would also like to consider making a clean slate starting afresh by looking into the scriptures to find hope and new life. Take care and bye for now.